Hello and welcome to Distant Atmospheres, the podcast where I read the thousand words of science fiction I have written for the day. These pieces do not connect to each other and are not complete stories, but may perhaps be thought of as vignettes, snapshots of action or setting or character in text. I'm your host, Top Hat Banjo, retired military, retired high school English teacher, and now semi, semi, semi professional banjo player. Strangely, I have a dog named Banjo the Dog. Follow Top Hat Banjo on Instagram for banjo practice clips, a daily word game, transcripts of my conversations with Banjo the Dog, and much more. Follow Top Hat Banjo, that's Top Hat Banjo, on Instagram. And now, Distant Atmospheres, Episode 3. 70,000 years ago, a rock about 10 inches across and 8 inches deep, roughly cubical, struck the Earth from space after a long, cold journey through the deep reaches of the universe. It had been on a collision course since it was first perturbed in a pass near Jupiter nearly 8,000 years before. 200 years before the strike, it passed close to Earth. Its fate was sealed during this near miss, and it struck the Earth on the fourth orbit after that. The rock streaked through the upper atmosphere, sparks and smoke flying from its surface as it ablated. It landed on the lee side of a steep, rocky hill. The angle was such that the rock hit and rolled, rather than burying itself, as it would have done, if it had landed on flat ground. The rock rolled down the hill, smoking as it went, all the way down to a stream. It rocketed through the water, sending up a thread of steam, and then up the other side, finally coming to a halt in and among the rocks on the other side, about halfway up. The rock sat there for years, decades, centuries, and the life forms inside it waited. As the years crawled by, the land moved, folded by earthquakes and mudslides and the freeze-melt cycle. The rock ended up back in the stream again, where the water flowed over it for more centuries. Eventually, the Native Americans came, and then the Europeans. The rock was buried for many years under the fertile soil of a tobacco field. The field was worked, crops grew, they were harvested, the chaff was plowed under, over and over again several dozen times, and then, after several more decades, the rock found itself once again on the surface, exposed to the checkerboard of nights and days, and still the life forms inside it waited. The rock found itself lifted up, deposited in the back of a truck, and along with much dirt and other debris, was transported some distance 
and dumped into an empty field. It found itself buried again, a number of inches under the surface, covered by dirt and smaller pebbles. Rain came, and at length washed the dirt away, and then the rock found itself again on the surface. Sensors inside the rock activated, measured the length of daylight and the parallax of certain stars as the planet rotated around its star and determined its position and the precise length of time that had passed since it began its long voyage. An internal mechanical intelligence decided that the long sleep of the life forms was now to be brought to an end, and it began the complex process of warming up and waking up its masters. Over the course of the next several minutes, the life forms inside were warmed from 71 degrees Kelvin to the ambient temperature and reconstituted. Their internal fluids were replaced. As the mechanical intelligence monitored and measured, four crew members awakened inside their ship. They had devoted nearly an eighth of their long lives to the long trip from their own planet and the inconvenience of a long wait on the planet until conditions met the criteria for, for exploration. Four crew members with their own names and their own thoughts call them A, B, C, and D. The captain, A, stretched his small body and stood up in his command chamber where he had passed the long wait. B, his deputy, entered the chamber and, ar and already was wearing his customary long robe. Captain, C, and D have been awakened successfully. D's pregnancy is viable with no problems and we have a good signal from the drone ship, he said. Where is the drone? A asked. It is in orbit around this planet's moon, B replied, somewhat surprised that the captain would ask such a question. Oh, yes, yes, of course, A said. He pressed his middle arm to the top of his head. I'm still a little foggy, I guess. He closed his middle eye and then the two side eyes. You say D's pregnancy is still good? Yes, definitely. We've got a good signal from the fetus. Good. A opened his eyes and pointed his laser reflector organ directly at B. I want to have the fetus's report as soon as possible. Get D outside first and let's see what we're up against here. Yes, Captain, B said, gathering the edges of his robe and wrapping it around his body in the customary way. He bowed slightly, turned, and left the chamber. In the pregnancy chamber, D sat with his front legs hanging over the edge of the sleep pad. C attended him, feeding a plastic tube into an orifice near the top of his head and working it past the membranes and into the fetus's capsule. There, does that seem about right, he asked. I think so, Dee replied. 
they were working without the benefit of a see-through machine. It would have been too big and heavy for the ship. But C was getting the job done, and soon D's fetuses, fetus would have a direct hose to the ship's air supply. The fetus didn't need it yet, but she soon would. This concludes Episode 2 of Distant Atmospheres, the podcast where I read the thousand words of science fiction I have written for the day. These pieces do not connect to each other and are not complete stories, but may perhaps be thought of as vignettes, snapshots of action or setting or character in text. I'm your host, Top Hat Banjo, retired military, retired high school English teacher, and now semi, semi, semi-professional banjo player. Strangely, I have a dog named Banjo the Dog. Follow Top Hat Banjo on Instagram for daily, for banjo practice clips, a daily word game, transcripts of my conversations with Banjo the Dog, and much more. Follow Top Hat Banjo, that's Top Hat Banjo, on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and tune in again to Distant Atmospheres.